Chris Gelser here with Matt Owl. On this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss Ant-Man and the Wasp, the latest film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, fresh off the heels of Avengers Infinity War. What's been going on with Ant-Man and the Wasp this whole time, Matt? Why weren't they in Infinity War? We're going to find out. Kind of. And then it's a prequel to a film horror series that I just never really got into. I watched the first Purge, Matt. Well, well, let me rephrase that. The original Purge film. And I was okay. It was all right. I was a little underwhelmed by it, but I thought it was an interesting concept. I'd never seen parts two or three. So now we have the first Purge, which we'll be discussing. And I also did catch up with the other two entries in the series. Finally, there's so much going on that we don't have a general segment tonight. So we're going to go with the lounge because we've got a lot of topics we want to hit up. It's going to be a great hour, relatively speaking. And also, too, this week starts our theme episode. So this episode has been particularly curated and mastered specifically to be listened to on airplanes. So I hope you do enjoy that. Um, It's going to be really just a sonic sensation. So let's start the whole show off with a clip from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Wow, Dr. Pym. Like, like who would have thought that once again in your hour of need that that you would turn to us, you know? I mean... Hmm. Help yourself. It was up with the fancy pastry. We got to keep the food budget down. Well, what are we supposed to have for breakfast? The oatmeal packets. Oatmeal packets. It's insult. Why is it insult? Because it tastes like sand. You know why? It's because it's organic. No, That's it's why. not organic. It's sand. It's you the know, most important some, meal of the can, day. You know what? You can get creative it with it. Break teeth. I'll put a little brown sugar on it. You can put some cinnamon. Put a little honey. You, whatever. Guys, no, guys, you guys, 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 come on, man. We got bigger fish to fry. Is that my desk? Yeah. What? Why do I have such a small desk? Well, because you weren't there when we were choosing desks. You snooze, you lose. Well, I was under house arrest. Yeah. You know what? This isn't even a desk. This is garbage. You found this outside amongst garbage. I got it at a rummage sale. So you save money on my desk? Guys. Hope, please. We need to focus, all right? We got to find that lab already. Jeez. All right, Matt. So that's a clip from Ant-Man and the Wasp featuring, of course, Ant-Man stealth MVP Michael Pena from mm-hmm. the last film. So I have one question for you, and I'm going to ask you, of course, why don't you tell the folks at home what's going on in Ant-Man and the Wasp? Why are we back with these folks? And here's my how I feel about this thing, though, and you, I want you to run with it, Matt. Ant-Man and the Wasp is everything that is great and everything that is bad about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, all encapsulated <laughs> into one film. Oh, so okay. Very what's good. the film about? And then tackle that point. All right, so um, Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, takes place... Um, a couple years after uh, Civil War, um, Ant-Man has been, or, or Scott Lang, is under house arrest um, for his uh, participation in breaking of the Sokovia Accords with Captain America. Um, as a result of the world being knowing about the, the Pym particle and, and Pym's technology, it forces Hope and uh, Hank Pym to go on the run. And um, they come to Scott right two days before he's scheduled to be released from house for less and saying that they need his help in rescuing Janet Van Dyne, the original wasp from the quantum realm. And that is basically what this, the movie's about. Fantastic. So what do you think though, about my general conjecture of the film? That it's um, I can see that. I think to be fair, I'm going to quant, I'm going to qualify that. Okay. And just, I think, I think that, the stuff that epitomizes all the stuff that's right about the Marvel cinematic universe and the best pieces of it, um, certainly elevate this film and far outweigh the drawbacks of it. I think, um, 
not a hundred percent sure I know where you're going with this, but um, I think for me, mm-hmm. movie is just a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, it's just really inventive the way that they, you know, um, utilize the technology, the the characters, or even the villain is not really don't really have villains; they just have antagonists. Mm-hmm. Um, they're uh, you know they're complex. They're not kind of like these cackling evil monster guys. Um, everybody seems to have like a real emotional connection and everybody seems like a fully fleshed out character. Um, but I guess you think so? I, I think so. I mean, the important people. Yeah. You don't think that uh, hope or Scott or Hank are fleshed out. No. Well, I think, I think so, but I mean, they're all also existing characters from a previous film. So I don't know. Mm-hmm how deep you think you're going to get here. I think that the big issue with this film, basically it's a Saturday morning cartoon come to life. Okay. Why it works is it's got a very light atmosphere. It's got very low script, a very low stakes and uh, a witty script, though it felt a little warmed over. It's kind of like they said, all right, this is what worked in the first film. Let's kind of do a little bit more of that, but just do a little twist on it. So, and then another thing too, as I said, uh, stealth MVP, Michael Pena, who's also good in this one again. But again, they do the same thing where he reenacts kind of a, a conversation or meeting thing, but not quite to the same um, joke level, not as quite as funny. He's got a little, just, just overall, I think the material in this one isn't as strong. You got, of course, my man, Walter Goggins, who is, I think, criminally underused in this thing. Not Walton, Walter, Walton. Uh, he's one of the, as you said, antagonists. Because you're right, the film doesn't really have a villain per se. And then, though I think Ghost conceptually is great, and if I'm correct, Ghost is an old Iron Man villain. Uh, I think she takes some turns and makes some decisions just don't logically really make any sense. Uh, Maybe I can just tack that into the fact that she's going crazy because of what's happening to her, I guess. I don't know. But if anybody took a second to just sit and talk, the whole film unravels and it ends in 10 minutes. So I don't... I don't know. The, The strength of the film, just like the last film, of course is Paul Rudd. I mean, his performance, I shouldn't say even performance, but his charm and humor for me just elevates the whole thing and makes it eminently watchable. And that's what I mean when I say that it's everything that's great about the Marvel films. It is a lot of fun to watch, but it is, there's really nothing to it at all. The whole thing hangs on Rudd and he does a fine job and he's got good chemistry with Evangeline Lilly as well. I think the two of them are good. And I think they do a good job. Peyton Reed does a good job of uh, making Evangeline Lilly kind of an equal to Scott Lang, if not a superior, right? Uh, So I think that in the ways of female representation in the film, I think it does a good job. Randall Park has some fun moments in this thing as well. I don't know. It's it's weird because when I walked out of this thing, I'm like, "I, I really like that. Yeah. But there's nothing to it. So I was trying to figure out what grade to give it, and I still don't know. Part I of think me you're is being like, oh, a little. Is... So when you when you let me Go just, ahead. I want to challenge your argument here Go a little ahead. bit. So when you say there's nothing to it, yeah, I want you to elaborate a little bit more. Is it that there's no sense of stakes? Well, is that's it... one. There are no real sense of stakes in this. At no point. Are, we, are they not going to res- rescue Janet Van Dyne? We know that. Why? Because you've cast Michelle Pfeiffer. I think, that's a, I think that's a trip as well. I think you should have kept that casting hidden, which is something else I'm going to talk about in the lounge. It drives me absolutely crazy. But um, I really I think that's part of it. 
I think that the 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 villains never really felt villainous to me. Everybody's just kind of doing their own thing, but nobody's ever nobody in this thing is really a bad guy per se. Uh, it's it's like basically it's cotton candy come to celluloid life, and that's fine. It's fine. It's just that it's not. I don't know. It's just it's it's a, it's another. It's I've really come to the to realization at the Marvel films that why I enjoy them is because there's nothing really to them. They're just fun, fun little movies to spend two hours on, and that's all they are. We we're not going for anything greater here. There's not there's nothing there's no great statement on any of this stuff. You're just you're sitting down your ten bucks. You're gonna have a good time for a couple hours. You're gonna leave and you're gonna forget all about it. And if that's what these are for going forward, then that's that's fine. I'm just saying that it's it's there's just really there's nearly nothing to this. I would counter. Okay, well you're absolutely wrong. I mean, and you're just wrong. You're you're not wrong, but it's just like your your pretentiousness is just showing through here, and I'm very disappointed in you, Chris. Um, well, let's let me tell you, it is very very easy to go exceptionally wrong in the opposite direction, and I think we all know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> It is very easy to go too right. far to uh, take a dog leg and then get lost in trying to be serious. So it's it just I don't know. It's 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 a Matt. I enjoyed it. It's fun. It's just yeah. I would I would argue this is better than the first Ant Man. Um, I, I would no. I just watched the first one again two weeks ago in anticipation of this because I liked it so much. Yeah. I don't know if it's better. I think that Yellow Jacket is a better villain. I enjoyed Corey Stoll in that, I think, more than I enjoyed, um, uh, oh boy, is it Abby Ryder Forston? What's her name? I'm blanking on the young lady's name now that plays Ghost. I got it here. Sorry. Hannah, there, John, but... Hannah John something. Her first name is definitely Hannah. Yeah, Hannah John Kamen. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I would argue that, so the first Ant-Man is basically Iron Man, right? It's basically what it is. It's Iron Man 2.5. Um, is really what it is. I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, genius, uh, you know, technology person who's fighting against, you know, instead of a mentor, a mentee or an apprentice who happens to be bald and then gets in the technology in the suit and they have a fight at the end. That's basically the plot of Iron Man. Mm -hmm. Now you've got a heist film in it, right? So I think this is a little freer to do something a little different. I mean, granted, it's only as different as the confines of the Marvel universe will allow. And I, I know people are starting to, to complain about that kind of thing, but at the same time, you know, if it's got a certain level of quality to it, I'm going to forgive them. If it's not exactly like, you know, Nolan's Dark Knight or, you know, um, again, we could go with the box that DC is going with and it's like they just refuse of these, the, the dark hole that they put themselves into. Right. Um, but I think this is a this is a, just a condensed um, takes place over two days, um, <clears throat> just kind of like you said, fun heisty action movie. Like this is Ocean's Two, you know, um, the ants <laughs> is basically what this is. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, I liked I liked that ghost. I mean, yeah, I guess you you know, she's been raised to think that Hank Pym was you know caught did this to her basically, and she's in constant pain. So. I had no problem with the fact that, um, you know, if she had just sat down and talked to people, then maybe it would have worked itself out. But, you know, she's desperate, right? So, right. Um, I don't know. 
her motivations seem fine to me. I mean, I thought this was incredibly enjoyable. And it's it's nice because if you look at the three Marvel films that we've gotten this year, right, you've kind of gotten your standard level kind of, you know, um, hero saves a day against, you know, the, the villain in Black Panther. I mean, that's kind of a, you know, the the story beats of that, the kind of overall mythos of that is is basically just any other super superhero that you get right yeah and then you got the infinity war where it's basically throw everything up on the screen it ends on a huge dour note blah 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 all this stuff um and it was kind of like the big event right and this is just to me is like a bit of a palate cleanser i mean it's like this is fun go watch it you're gonna have a good time that's and- yeah that's the exact note i just wrote down actually was that that's what the, after the heft or the weight if you will i guess i guess of of infinity war that's what this is it's a palate cleanser to kind of take the foot off the brakes for just a little bit to kind of let you catch your breath and then we can jump right back into something and i think i may have enjoyed the moral ambiguity of the villains in this film well specifically with ghost and even bill foster which i loved that um we were able to get uh bill foster into this film I yeah. like when they bring back the lesser known, you know, heroes or villains that have these little moments in them. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I think in a, in a, in a weightier film, the moral ambiguity may have played out a little better for me. It's fine. It really, I enjoyed it. I'm going to give this thing a B. I mean, I, 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 it's, it's, it's a fun little movie, but that's all it is. And that's all this stuff's ever going to be. And I, I'm fine with it. You know, I, these, I mean, these have, these have become to me, the um comfort films like uh like law and order is for me right or or the original superman whenever things are going if i'm feeling a little down whatever the case may be i'll pop one of these things i can turn my brain off i can have a great time for a couple hours you know i'm at space mountain here and i'm having a lot of fun and then it's okay and that's okay there's no i'm not saying i'm not i'm not being I'm trying to say this without sounding negative or judgmental at all. I'm just assessing <laughs> the situation for what it is, miserably. Yeah. and that's and it's fine. I'm giving the thing a B. I don't know what else. What I'm not saying it's like a C or film or anything. Listen, y'all. Okay, listen. Chris is giving it a B. He had a lot of fun, and it's irritating him because it gave him a lot. He had fun with it. I love Paul Rudd. I love the guy. We're in it. We're we're it's we're listen, guys. We're in, we're hitting summer fatigue here. Okay, we've had to see some things that are not super great right and this is this is the time of year that that we can get in honestly this is as far as a summer blockbuster tentpole film goes i thought this was more than fine it might end up being one of the hell i would say it's probably going to be two or three as far as what's the best movie of the summer i mean i hear nothing but great things coming out about uh uh uh, Mission Impossible. MI6, yeah. You know, so I mean, Infinity War, Mission Impossible, and then this would would not surprise me if those were the top three films of the summer for me, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a really fun, good movie. You could take your kids to this. You know, you don't have to worry about like Jurassic Park, where the you know the super intelligent uh, uh, dinosaurs terrorizing an eight year old throughout the whole thing. Um, so. Right. It's 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 fun and it's good and it's 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 this but it's it's wholesome fun. It's wholesome fun for the most part. It is. Uh, you know? It's bloodless. Listen, it's know. for I guess for me it would be it would be the pinnacle of the Disney Disneyfication of superhero movies. Mm. And I'm not saying that out of criticism. I'm just addressing it as what I think it is. That's all. 
but I'm at least we get wildly negatively. Varied. I'm not saying it's that's that's definitively negative. I think I just like that Ant Man has seems to have a tone, right? You know, you're gonna get something sure. like sure. you're gonna get something fun. That's what an Ant Man movie is. It's not like Captain America where it's espionage and all this kind of stuff. It's not, you know, it's it's just different. I'm like I like I like the fact that you're seeming to get like there's some theme and and mood through lines that you're getting with these films and that's like kind of what you know what you're going into right so if you want a you go with ant-man series if you want b you would go with iron man that type of right sure right all right i guess that's fine that's something um do you think there's ever going to be a high stakes momentum shifter again a la winter soldier because i don't Um, i don't count infinity war maybe it will be when the second sequel comes out next year mm -hmm. but considering half the people who died in that thing have films on the calendar. I right. know I don't think there's any real stakes in that film, but winter soldier really shifted the, the playing field for the MCU with the reveal of shield and Hydra. Yeah. I think they'll have something yeah. like that again. Yeah, I think we will. So I think what's going to end up happening. Scrolls. Um, so well, yeah, well you've got, you know, we've got Captain Marvel, we've got Infinity War 4, and then we got Spider-Man, home, uh, Far From Home, next year. Is that next year, too? I believe so. I think it is? Okay. But everybody said, but Figi has said that Far From Home is the new, is the kicking off of the next phase. That that's going to be the next shift. So, I guess whatever comes out of that um, is what we're going to start seeing. Um, you know, and you'll notice that they have not named almost all of their films that have gone out as far as 2024. They've not named really a lot of them and they're keeping it close to the vest. So, you know, we're going to get a Black Panther 2. We're going to get, um, you know, the Scarlet, or the um, Scarlet Witch, um, Black Widow film um, coming out soon. And then, of course, we've got uh, Guardian of the Galaxy 3. But I mean, other than that, we don't really know what they're going to be coming up with. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of movement, movement, and I guess we can talk about this later too in the lounge. But I mean, I don't know some of the kind of moves that they're making, um, you know, acquisition-wise. Maybe they are reshuffling the deck so they can use some of that stuff. Um, so, we'll- yeah, you're right. It's Captain Marvel. It's uh, Infinity War two, whatever the title is going to be, and then Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. those are your three for next year. And don't forget yeah. about. Uh, Shazam, of course, which will be far superior to any of those films. <laughs> of course, of course. So I just want to point out, Chris, so you talked about how much you like Ghost. You know who Ghost is a big part of, right? I mean, she was an Iron Man villain, but her most recent thing that she's been a big deal in is uh, she's been a, a long-term member of the Thunderbolts. Um, oh, really? With, with uh, Luke Cage and also uh, Venom is part of uh, Thunderbolts. What the hell happened to Thunderbolts? Thunderbolts were all bad guys led by Baron Zemo. I'm assuming they've all Yeah, no, so basically um, that was the original one because when Baron Zemo was using these guys to pretend that they were superheroes but they were really supervillains, but every incarnation after that has basically been a ripoff of Suicide Squad. So basically um, S.H.I.E.L.D. has like captured supervillains and they're like, okay, you know, you go out and do these missions and, you know, we'll basically, you know, I don't know whatever, what the deal is. And Luke Cage is there to keep him in line. So that would be kind of cool if they got Coulter and and Ghost and Tom Hardy's Venom to in there and whoever else they want to throw in there and just make a better movie of the Suicide Squad. I know. I feel like it's it. DC is forever going to be Hydrox. 
So if you don't <laughs> understand that, came reference, up with so much stuff already. Hydrox was is people consider as the off-brand Oreo cookie, but Hydrox yeah. was first. They Oreo the is the off-brand, but <laughs> it's much better. <laughs> and that's what it is. DC will forever be Hydrox. They will, yeah. Let's oh, hope you... not. Shazam's going to be fun. You see that? We'll talk about it in the lounge, maybe. That picture. That was the first official release of Shazam. I just want to read this. I'm going to get your grade, Matt, on Ant-Man and the Wasp after I read my favorite review snippet on Rotten Tomatoes from Jim Lane of the Sacramento News and Review. Now, I didn't go this way, all right? I want to make that mm-hmm. clear. Okay. It's enjoyable enough, even for those who'd rather eat broken glass than sit through another elephantine CGI fest from the damned Marvel <laughs> Comics universe. You know, people who complain about these movies, like, I get it. I mean, they're not earth, they're not, they're not groundbreaking, you know, they're just not. And that's okay. As long as they keep producing middling to really entertaining product. I mean, the worst thing that they've ever produced was middling. And that's, that's saying a lot. I mean, uh, so. I guess, I mean, those two dark there's two thor films i don't know well thor, iron man 2 is a real is pretty much a stinker. iron man 2 is middling for sure yeah yeah um doctor strange is very middling for me i didn't i was not impressed by doctor strange at all i think it's interesting once you get past the first 20 minutes it's mm-hmm. fun yeah all but right. anyways give me so a break i'm gonna give this thing a, a b plus B, you're not so we're not even that far off well i mean i don't know if it's if I'm grading on a curve, I would probably give it an A minus. But if I'm just kind of being straight up, I would say it's a B plus movie. Fair enough. If you had a chance to see Ant Man on the Wasp, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. I'd like to know. Coming up, Matt, a Blu-ray and DVD this upcoming Tuesday. We got a big one. So here's a clip. I wouldn't drink that. If I were you. It's full of toxic chemicals. How do you know? Because my sister-in-law drank it and her tongue turned black. Oh. You're Felix's mate. I beg your pardon? I mean, I, I think you made it with Felix, if I heard it right? That's none of your business. No, no, I, I, I don't suggest whether it actually happened or not. I'm just saying that I... I recognize you from when I heard that rumor. I think I'm going to say goodnight. Wait, 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 wait. No, wait. Start over. Who cares about Felix? I'm Chief. That's my name. I see. I'm introducing myself. Who are you? I thought you knew all about me. No, I, I don't know anything. Have kept my mouth shut. It's all hearsay. And anyway, you're nutmeg. So you do know me after all. After all, yes. So there's Brian Cranston as Chief and Scarlett Johansson, who we'll be talking about a little bit later, as Nutmeg. And that, of course, is in Wes Anderson's Isle of the Dogs, which is being released on Blu-ray and DVD this upcoming Tuesday, July seventeenth. Matt, there's a special set. That comes with it's a gift set. It comes with figurines, so you get all the main dogs as well as um, uh, the young boy there, whose name I am blanking on again. I'm doing a really good job in this episode, folks. Let me tell you, I'm pulling these names left and right. It's awesome. Left and right, pow 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 pow. 
Also coming up is the Joaquin Phoenix that made both of our films. Was it number three for both of us? You were never really here. I think so, yeah. Yeah. A just desolate thriller. I know it's not an action movie. It's just a it's something, folks. It is something. Uh, you were never really here is being released. The Rock returns just in time for us to go watch Skyscraper, Matt. He's gonna. He's here with Rampage, the adaptation of the classic video game with the werewolf, the wizard, and the merman thingamabobber. No, it's King, King Kong. The King, King Kong. Kong. What's wrong with me? Yeah. Uh, it's been a long day, folks. So it's got a lot of special features going on with that one. If you're a fan of Rampage, that was one too, Matt. Was weird because it was fun and light, and other times really violent. Yeah, like disturbingly violent. Amy Schumer's latest I Feel Pretty is being released with some deleted scenes and a gag reel. The horror film starring Lucy Hale, Truth or Dare, is being released. Includes an unrated director's cut. Uh, Conceptually, I thought that looked like it might be really interesting, but the reviews were just dismal for that. So, I don't know. Maybe when it hits a streaming service, we'll check it out. Paula Patton returns in Traffic. This is an action-packed thriller, Matt. A weekend getaway at a secluded mountain estate turns deadly for Brea, who is Paula Patton and her boyfriend. After they accidentally discover the hidden world of a brutal biker gang. And they get stalked at this uh, fun cabin. It's supposed to be a laugh, right? That is Traffic. Disobedience, starring Rachel Weisz and Rachel McAdams. Where Weisz plays a woman who returns to her Orthodox Jewish home after the death of her rabbi father. And stirs up controversy when she shows an interest in an old childhood friend. New to Blu-ray, we got the Terminator 2 4K. So maybe I should be more specific. The arm statue, have you seen that arm set? Where it's basically the Terminator arm from the forearm to the hand. Yep. They're re-releasing that now with a 4K release of Terminator 2. So you can buy it for a fifth time, I guess. Hmm. Maybe now they finally have a really good transfer of that thing. But I am not hopeful. Doom Asylum is being released. If you thought Sex and the City 2 was a stomach churner... You ain't seen nothing yet. Long before playing one of Carrie Bradshaw's best gal pals, actress Kristen Davis found herself up against an altogether different kind of horror in 1987's Doom Asylum, a riotous mix of gore, gags, and goth girl groups galore. Involves some horny teens. They end up in an abandoned asylum. Of course, things go horribly wrong. Includes a brand new 2K restoration from the original camera negative. I know you're excited about that. It's a couple new audio commentaries, some other stuff. I'm not familiar with Doom Asylum. But I'm sure uh, our buddies over at Greenhouse Video here in Tampa will be carrying it, so maybe we'll find I'll be able to check it out. And then Matt, your straight to DVD pick of the week. Are you ready? Yeah. This ticks me off because it's it's the write up has nothing to do with the name of the film, really, or the catchphrase. Amityville Prison. Now mm-hmm. I don't know if they built a prison on the Amityville house property i guess i can't imagine how big that would be but amityville prison the tagline being for god's sake break out if you're not familiar it was for god's for god's sake get out mm-hmm. for the original film which you've ever seen the original amityville horror not good it's it not good at all not terrible good. i'm not even talking the ronald reynolds remake i'd probably watch that before i'd watch the original with margot kidder and uh, josh brolin's dad yeah so a group of friends sneak into an abandoned prison, Matt. This one's abandoned, with the intention of making a ghost hunting video until they start to go missing one by one. Uh, I just, I just, 
I felt like if it was more in a prison or something, it might be a little more interesting. But uh, I don't know. I guess just a haunt, haunted prison in the town of Amityville. I don't know. I just feel like it's a little bit of a bait and switch all around with that title. So what should we be streaming this week? Um, well, there's actually a lot of options, but I narrowed it down to had a bunch of comedies, thought something light for the summer, and then I said, you know what, screw that. Let's watch this. Um, so I'm going to recommend Pandorum, um, a pretty weird little sci-fi horror film starring Dennis Quaid and Ben Foster. Um, they play two astronauts in the future who wake up on their ship all alone and uh, the rest of it is you know kind of sealed off and it's something is very very wrong on the ship and it turns out that there are some creatures that are in the bowels of the ship that they have to try and um overcome it's a it's a if you liked like event horizon something like that this mm-hmm. is actually that type of film and it's it's a a pretty good little b horror movie sci-fi movie that you should check out if you haven't seen it yeah, I'd recommend that too. That's a good one. Good times, good times. I've been meaning to watch rewatch Strangers with Candy. I got the DVD, so I gotta catch up with that at some point. Mm. All right, let's go ahead, Matt. Let's talk about good. the first purge. You're angry. Yes, I'm angry. Very angry. You want to release that anger? I need to. Thank you for your honest answers. First, a few formalities. Batesias, the official flower of the experiment, they represent rebirth. In the box you have recording lenses, contacts. Should you choose to actively participate, wear them on the evening and they'll document everything you do. As I said, greater participation yields greater financial compensation. Next, we'll implant a tracking device after that, you'll be all set, as they say, to purge. Matt, are you all set to purge? Always. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. So you've seen all the films then, right? I have, yeah. All right. I hadn't, as I said in the opening of the show. I hadn't seen parts two and three. I'd heard they actually were pretty good, but I just never, I never, got, never got around to them. So right. uh, I thought in anticipation of seeing the first purge, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to tell you something, Matt. Two and three are pretty good. Yeah, now, are. I think the acting gets progressively worse as the films go. But yeah. conceptually, I think they're interesting. And I think they do a relatively good job of of balancing the social commentary with the violence and actually kind of giving us a backstory of, what the, of the true impact of The Purge and why, instead of the Ethan Hawke film, which more just represents to us a, what, almost a haunted house film. Basically. Home invasion film film kind of thing you know so um yeah but i mean and they and you know what the first one's middling it's it's okay it's not particularly good mood but and then i can't say that the second and third one are particularly good either but they're fun they're like way more fun than i thought they were gonna be and i had a good time watching them you know no yeah i mean the fact that they are just basically genre films that that deliver some interesting potentially dumb interesting (laughs) conversation but it's uh and i think too the how do i put this so the it's i just think that as a genre film it's a little smarter than your typical horror fair and right. it's trying to make a social a social point about its violence 
that right. I don't know if it's always successful in the in those second and third films, but right. I get what he's going for, and I appreciated the efforts. Which brings us to the first purge. I this was not very good. No, and oddly, this has the biggest budget out of all of them, and yet it felt really? and looked the cheapest to me. It did. And I, I was wondering, is, was, is Frank Grillo the key? I mean, is he the one that made those Maybe. two films as watchable? That's, it, that is hilarious that you say that because as soon as I started watching this and within like 10, 15 minutes after we'd been introduced to all the the, uh, the principles, I was like, man, I don't see a Frank Grillo in there. And this this does not bode well for us. Yeah, no. And as there are some choices made by some of the actors in this thing maybe it's more the director's fault i'm not quite sure uh demonico didn't direct this one he wrote and directed the first three he wrote just wrote this one and it does feel kind of like a because here's the problem the third film kind of wraps everything up right there's really nowhere to really go i think with the series after the end of the of uh of election year right. so we're gonna but it, it did well so we're gonna we gotta make another one. So let's get a prequel and show everything that led up to the point of why we're doing the purge. Except guess what, Matt? We we don't we don't do that. We just basically yeah, right. show the first purge. I right. was really looking for more I don't know. I wanted a little bit more of what brought us to this point. I don't know how deep and fleshed out we wanted to get it, but I was let down and disappointed by that. I really thought there was an opportunity here to I don't know, make even a, a a more direct statement than the first two or the second and third films did, but it didn't at all. And I don't know. I just, I just don't know what the point is. Uh, this, it, is. it just felt very much like just cashing in and making a new one. It says we got nowhere to go. Let's make a prequel. Do you, Yeah. am I wrong about that? No, you're absolutely a hundred percent right about that. Um, you know, as you said, data was kind of hinted at the kind of larger social uh, reasoning for this and kind of what this has done to society um, in the other purge films. Um, but this, you kind of get this kind of talking head montage thing of this, you know, this new party taking over and, you know, they, you know, a few snippets of exposition and, and that's all you really get. Like I'm with you. I think if they had started off more, maybe devoted like maybe 15 minutes to like the history of, of, you know, this new America or whatever, and kind of giving us more of a background. Mm. But I mean, to, I mean, to be quite honest with you, um, all of this, it just, it looks like, like today's America was slightly more poor. People are a little struggling, maybe a little worse financially. Right. And that's, yeah. that's really all it feels like. It doesn't feel like some kind of dystopian totalitarian thing. Um, and I don't know. I don't think it's really particularly earned. I don't. I don't really see, you know, how this all became this, you know, national phenomenon where we're killing people every every night, you know, or every once every year. Um, and I, I get where they were going with it as far as how they kind of got around that. But um, I don't know. It's it's just I, I just was not invested in this at all. Like it was not exciting. Um, it wasn't really scary. Um, and, and the principles, you know, they were not particularly engaging people. Um, I, uh, yeah. I, I don't know how any of this would work after they were all done, said and done. Yeah, I think too. There's, I, I think there's a mistake in this thing. So at the end, there's a villain that's, you know, kind of an early in the film named Skeletor, 
And yeah. I think they hint to something where he may be around. You know, you know, uh, the 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 inference I got was that he this guy was like hiding in a closet and he was going to jump out at some point. And he does eventually show up, but it right. just didn't seem to tie in. I think the way that maybe they had intended it to, and it just felt sloppy to me. Right, a few things like that. Too. I wonder too. So Marissa Tomei is in this, interestingly, right? And she also, but she gets basically killed, for lack of a better term, off screen. Right? They, she, it's, right. it's it's a what is it? A CCTV footage, right? Right. That sees her. So I'm wondering, like, yeah, she's like, yeah, listen, I got a week. I'll do this thing for you. you drop me a mill and I'm in. But you, I'm not getting killed on camera. You know, I right. felt like she, this was just weird. I don't know. Just some questionable decisions throughout this whole thing. It had some interesting moments, and I think what they're trying to say about poverty and race relations could have been really interesting in this thing. Uh, I love the fact that they embraced the fact that they were <laughs> Nazis that were yeah. hunting these people down. But they, yeah, I just Klansmen felt, and Nazis and stuff. Yeah, but I just felt it just didn't go far enough. If you're gonna, mm. if you're gonna try and be witty and, and introduce some kind of serious kind of conceptual things in this, then go for it. Instead, it just devolves into your typical, you know, survive the night horror fare. And it, right. it's gonna weird. It's a weird thing to say that it doesn't have the intellectual heft of parts two and three. I know, <laughs> it right? Doesn't. It doesn't. And uh, it just—I was a little disappointed by that. So. Yeah, I'm with you. It was uh, very middling. I I would even so far to say I was like I said I was not a huge fan of the first one. I didn't think it was particularly good but i would watch that over this like, i think just so. seems, is, this is just uh pointless and at least the first one has ethan hawk and lena Headey, so you know that brings it up a, a few notches as far as action talent goes so mm-hmm. i think too the only interesting thing i i thought about this was the introduction of the contact lens cameras oh yeah and the effect of the glowing irises or whatever it was yeah right? that was that was creepy yeah but that was that's basically it that's it that's it no and that's fair super fair so i'm giving the first purge a c minus where are you uh yeah i'm on that i'm on board with that i would say uh c minus for sure i wouldn't go as far as d just because it wasn't that terrible but it's it's pretty mediocre unfortunately we've got a chance Mm -hmm. to see the first purge would love to hear your thoughts matt do you have any other uh, thoughts on this no i really don't i mean it's there's not a whole whole lot to say other than it's you know like what we've already said it's just uh meh Smash film. All right. Hit us up. Feedback at the first run.com. Now it's going to be the lounge. Oh, yeah. Here we go. It's the lounge. It's the, it's. We're just going to kind of BS for about 20 minutes. Here's a clip. Oh, Zoran! Can we ask you some questions? It's a podcast. Well, in that case. How many people that you say have you saved? Wait, I... Never mind. Does your thing really stand for hope? Yes, it does. But it looks like an S. Yes, it's meant to. It's, it's meant to wind like a river. It comes and goes. My... A man I knew used to say that hope is like your car keys. Easy to lose. If you dig around, it's usually close by. Did you ever, ever fight a hippo? No, that's not hippos. Have a Shh. Uh, what is... Uh, what's the best thing about planet Earth? That was a real powerful scene, especially with the CGI'd mustache. You know, I remember when that all came out, that, of course, is the opening for the Joss Whedon 
adaptation of Justice League where I saw a clip on YouTube of some like guy who is like him and his buddy are CGI guys. They dabble in it yeah. and they were yeah. able to do it better where it looked more natural than what yeah, it was. Yeah, with a $500 computer. Yes. <laughs> so I played that clip from Justice League starring Henry Cavill, um, who of course plays the Man of Steel, Superman himself, because of this. So there's something, this is a quote, there's something wonderful about a man chasing a woman. There's a traditional approach to that, which is nice. I think a woman should be wooed and chased, but maybe I'm old-fashioned for thinking that. It's very difficult to do that if there are certain rules in place, he said, because then it's like, well, I don't want to go up and talk to her because I'm going to be called a rapist or something. So you're like, forget it. I'm going to call an ex-girlfriend instead and then go back to a relationship which never really worked. But it's way safer than casting myself into the fires of hell because I'm someone in the public eye. And if I go for it with someone, then who knows what's going to happen. That's Henry talking about the Me Too movement, which I... So basically, he's complaining that being one of the best-looking men on the planet, that he can't now sleep with groupies anymore at the pace he Mm. used to, is basically what he's talking about. (laughs) Which I just... I don't understand these people. I really don't. Now, he has since apologized for what he said, and he said all the right things, you know, and there's no whiff of him being inappropriate that I've ever heard. So, And plus, the mere fact that if you haven't seen that clip yet where he reloads his arms in that Mission Impossible Fallout trailer right before that fight in the bathroom, which is one of the most incredible things I think I've ever seen in cinema. Uh, (laughs) I'm willing to cut him a little slack. But I just I just shake my head at this stuff. I really don't. Is it that hard? Is it that hard? I don't know. I just don't understand it. Well, so, I mean, maybe maybe I like to play devil's advocate. Not that yeah. I didn't really subscribe to a lot of the stuff, but just to challenge Chris because he gets all apoplectic about it. But maybe it's more like a an Aziz Ansari situation. Like he's gonna maybe he's afraid he's gonna have a bad date, or he's gonna maybe he's gonna come off just like not like sexual predator but maybe just the boorish jerk and they're gonna you know uh basically you know put him on blast i think the problem with that i i think the issue with that is first off the aziz on sorry thing was i thought a little i don't know i don't know i'm still not where where i land on that one yeah that one's real tough but i feel basically that i think it's been relatively well known for a few decades now that if you're a big star, you got to be careful because you yeah. never know what you're going to run into. Right. And, 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 and there's ways to say that and there's ways not to say that. And I just think that if he's he's talking about Me Too and then that's what he brings up, Right. I just think there's different things. A different yeah, way that yeah you're right. That's you're right. I mean, I understand that he doesn't want to say, you know, he doesn't want to be like Julian Edelman or Justin Bieber where their one night stands, take a picture of them while they're sleeping and then start talking about what they were like in bed and all that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's stuff that does happen. Um, and I guess he should be careful of those things. You're right. But maybe when you're talking about the Me Too movement, maybe now's not the best time to talk about your difficulties as being a super pretty rich man who can do whatever he wants. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. We all know what it's like to be a disturbingly attractive, rich celebrity guy. We get it. I mean, look at the two of us. Exactly. It's super hard. Our lives are Just difficult. Choose your conversation times better. That's all I'm saying. Just, yes, that's true. Yes, pick your pick your pick your times. <laughs> know your audience. Oh boy. All right. So what do you got? Um. All right. So, um, 
Bond. Can we talk Bond for a second? Sure. Sure. All right. So this is Bond 25. This mm-hmm. is Daniel Craig's last film. So obviously we're all in the, in the uproar and the, the hype of who's going to play the next Bond. Tom Hardy. Now, it's, huh? Should be Tom Hardy. Okay. I don't argue with that. But okay. So let's just say, let's put Tom Hardy aside for a second. Okay. So obviously the fandom is like, well, should Bond be a person of color and or should Bond be a woman? And while I think the whole should Bond be a person of color should be absolutely. I mean, if Edgerzella wants to do it or somebody else who's just as qualified or whatever. Yeah. yeah but what do you think as a super Bond fan, if they made Bond a woman and his entire characterization of a womanizing thing, and then you're actually really solidifying that Bond is just a title. It's not like it's a guy. It's are you talking about the fan theory thing, or are you yeah, talking? Yeah, yeah. Well, in general, yeah, the fan theory. Yeah. So we're basically James Bond, 007. It's just a code name passed down to Agent code A. Name, yeah. Yeah. Well, we know that's not true because it doesn't work with the canon of the films. If you've ever seen it. Sure. Um, I don't see. This is where I where I get to get off my lawns. Um, which is, if you're not familiar, is a phrase I use when I'm being an old codger who doesn't want things to change. <laughs> like I do with him when it comes to Peter Parker, Spider-Man, but continue. Sure. Yeah. I don't know if it, it just, the James Bond that I've had in my life is not, it's not, it just doesn't, it doesn't, God, there's no way to sa- say this without sounding like a, like a sexist a-hole. There's no way to do it. I, I mean, the, the screaming on fire liberal in me wants to say, yeah, of course. <laughs> Of course, but you know, deep down, it would it would just be a betrayal of everything that the characters had for the past fifty years. I mean, how can you take reconcile that slimy, smarmy, super cool at the same time Sean Connery version of mm-hmm. that, and then go to and then go to uh, to a, a woman later on? Yeah, I think yeah, I think mean, Dalton and Craig were the two that were the most Puritan uh, of the group, yeah. but sure. I just. I don't know. I just, it's, it's like, just give me that. I'm on board with everything. Just, just don't, don't, do don't mess that. with my bond. Don't mess with my bond. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Most of the time, like, honestly, I'm not so beholden unless it's so intrinsic to the character that you can't change their race or, or their gender or whatever. Most of the time, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. It doesn't, I mean, sure. Give me something different. Um, you know, Doctor Who, yeah, sure, make him, make her, make him a woman, make a woman. There's no reason you couldn't have a female doctor, but sure. I don't know. James Bond, I just don't, I don't see it. Like, I don't see how you could have a, a woman play James Bond at all. Now, yeah. what I, really, what I really wish, because I'm pissed off at all these Brits coming over here and taking all the all the American hero roles. That's right, I want Henry. Up British to go there and start doing it in a British accent because <laughs> lose their damn minds. We've got Superman. <laughs> Being played by a British guy. We've got Spider-Man being played by a British guy. This is unacceptable. Yeah, Batman was British for quite a while, or Welsh, yeah. whatever Christian yeah, Bale is. Welsh. Yeah. So, no, that's that's true. I, that's, yeah. that's that's the petition I'm starting up. American for Bond using a British accent. <laughs> I wonder how that would shake out. That would be pretty funny. All right, Matt. It was announced this week that Neil Blomkamp has been hired to do a RoboCop sequel, a sequel to the first film. Oh, okay. So thoughts? getting rid of two and three and whatever that remake thing was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Um, you know what? I'm on. I'm down for it. I'm down for it. Um, I'd be interested to see. I hope he can keep some of Verhoeven's uh, uh, ridiculous uh, cutting satire. But I think, I think, I mean, Neil Blomkamp, as we've known, have we seen, has can bring some of the shocking violence, which I think is really what you need for this. Like, you yeah. know, you need blowing up for this kind of stuff. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of down. I would love to kind of see it. Is Peter Weller still around? Can he pull this off? He's, he's still around. I. Don't know if he could pull it off at this point. Well, I mean, so the suit would be a lot gotta, more comfortable. All do is, yeah, all they got to do is like CGI this. I mean, you can see what, and you would never be able to tell. That's true. They could CGI that. You're entirely right. I mean, look, <laughs> Michael Douglas in those Ant Man movies looks like it, it was filmed 30 years ago. Yeah, I know. Michelle right. Pfeiffer looks like she's like 50, 40 years old in that, in that movie. Yeah. I mean, crazy. So they could definitely, you know what? That is fascinating. And if anybody would try it, I bet you it would be Blumkamp. I bet you he would yeah. give it a shot. Though you know he is he is desperate to cast Charlton Copley as Murphy in that thing. You know he. <laughs> I, I can't think it would work. I could see him playing. Um, he'd be the Boddicker. He'd be the bad guy. He'd be, yeah, he would be Boddicker. He would be a very good Boddicker. That's yeah. who Charlton Copley would be. Yeah, he, he'd definitely be the villain role in that thing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm on the fight. But see, I mean, the problem with this has not been very good lately. Is I think, unfortunately, it's looking like District Nine was the exception, not the rule, kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. They've had steadily, steadily worse quality to where Chappie is is almost is almost unwatchable, except for the fact that it's just so weird that you just kind of gotta watch it at the same time. And the CGI in that thing is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. <sighs> I actually kind of like Robocop 2, and it's how violent it is. It is. It is, I mean, yeah, it no, is an yeah. insane film. It is. But um, it is, it is a bad, crazy film. That's for sure. I don't know. I just it's. I, of course, I'm gonna see it. I maybe Bloom Kim can redeem himself with this thing. If they can do the Peter Weller and CGI the heck out of it and run with that, and then you know what. Let's see what you got. Let's see. Yeah, that would be pretty sweet. All right, what do you got? But Peter Weller would do it. I don't know if he would do it, but he should do it. Damn it. What else is he doing? Buckaroo Banzai, too. All right, so it's been on again, off again, but now it's looking like it's actually going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. This department's too busy with ATT Time Warner merger. It looks like this Disney Fox merger is going to happen. Okay. And I read a thing today that if the, when, if and when this goes through, Disney will control 40% of the movie output in the U.S. That is, let's just say, let that sink in, guys. Yeah. 40% is going to be Disney films. Or, you know, somewhere connected to, they've got their fingers in the, in the pie. What are we going to get? Are we going to get something more daring from Disney? Because how many wholesome-ish films can they make? I mean, Star Wars is relatively family-friendly. Marvel Cinema, Cinematic Universe is. They've got their animation arm and everything else that they make. Well, they uh, used to have Touchstone, which was the naughty end of the Disney uh, <laughs> Disney films. Yeah. Are they going to go like buy Blumhouse and just let him go crazy with huge budgets? That would be kind of amazing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think so. I don't no. It does make me pause. Uh, it yeah. really does. Though a lot of times when things are bleak is sometimes when you get the best art. So I yeah. don't know, but you need, here's the, I'm of two minds of this thing because 
when you have big successful franchises like your superhero films and your Star Wars and all that stuff, it it can free up capital to do other things. As sure. long as the people running the show are interested in doing that, that right. money can help prop up the studio while they throw they put stuff out like not that, not that Disney's doing this, but you can get a twenty four type stuff. And maybe right. if they have the right people in charge and have the right mind of it, we can have another A24 type studio that is yeah. an arm of Disney. Yeah. Well, but and ha- the Gurmax for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think inevitably in the end, it's not going to be good. I don't think I so. I just think that much control over that many properties. And as we talked earlier in the show with Ant-Man and the Disneyfication of the superhero film, you know, they do have certain guidelines. And if that impacts the entire property book, you know, their, their, um, IP, I don't, I don't know. I think inevitably it's, it's not going to be good. So who are the big, who besides, so once we get uh, 20th century Disney, what are we, what's left? I mean, we've got universal and we've got, right. Sony, but that's on the block, and that's up to, going to be up on the block anytime. I, I, I really think it's just because it's just <clears throat> losing so much money for them. There's then, uh, um, well, Lionsgate is still out there, and so is um, New Line, Warner right? Brothers. Yeah, but those aren't the big ones. They're I think not you, big, no. Universal, Sony, and and WB are the, I think the the other big players, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So well, Warner Brothers is the biggest. I mean, they yeah. have the largest collection, you know, of back catalog films out sure. of any studio. Yeah. And what Universal is owned by Comcast already, so. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, it'd be interesting. I don't, somebody's going to be coming for Sony, and then that's, I think that's going to be it. We're going to have three major ones. I'm hoping, I mean, at this point, just my nerd, I'm, I just hope that Disney gets it just because I want Spider-Man over there for sure. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think I don't know. I'm I'm confident though another A24 or something like that will pop up, and there will always be a drive and a a pursuit of films of that caliber. People like me and you that want to ch- want to check that stuff out. Yeah, and, and, and it's it's become easier and easier to make a film outside of the studio system. I mean, just with the tech available to you. Um, I mean, it's you can do it. I mean. If we had a good idea and knew how to act and, and do all that kind of stuff, we could do it. I mean, we've got an iPhone and some editing software. People have made more with less. Sean so. Baker, Steven Soderbergh have made phones on uh, movies on iPhones. Yeah. Yeah, your entire... I think that's the key, is that the technology now is so ready available. I, my big thing is what happens if the studios start buying theater chains. Mm. Then I think things get a little dodgier because now you're going to be limited in what you can see. And yeah. uh, the earlier independent stuff will basically be regulated to. Uh, God, that would be so crazy. That would be like, stuff. like, uh, like car dealerships, right? Like, see, like you'd have you'd have to go. There's the Disney, the Disney, uh, the Disney theater for your 20th Century Fox stuff and your Marvel stuff, and then you've got the WB Sony theater across, like directly across the street. You know, that would be insane. That I think would be. I actually think that would be worse than. Yeah. Disney purchasing 20th Century Fox and eventually Sony. Yeah. I think having just individual theater, that would be bad. Well, we already see even streaming about services. Yep, yep. So, uh, uh, restaurants, Taco Bell. This is very uh, demolition, man. It's coming true. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So Matt, how about those MI6 reviews? 93%. They're saying that it is the best Mission Impossible film of all time, which if you've seen Ghost Protocol, that is a bold this statement, is my friend. That is a hugely bold statement. And then also potentially one of the best action movies ever made. Yeah. I'm actually, I was not that excited for this. So I've never been a huge fan of the Mission Impossible films. Mission Impossible was a, a decent film. It was good, but I okay. didn't have any skin in the, in the game. Mission Impossible 2 was really not that good. Uh, Mission Impossible 3, it was okay. Um, it had its moments, but then... And I just want to interject, the best villain in the franchise so far. Oh, yeah, it is. Philip That's very true. Yeah, and he elevated it quite a bit just on the force of his uh, performance alone. But, yeah, when Ghost Protocol came out, that was just kind of like a revelation where they were just kind of resetting everything and let's list... And whatever they did, it worked really well. Now, um, MI5, what was the... the Was that Rogue Nation? Yeah. Um, it was good, but it was it was definitely a step down. So I'm actually... I'm actually pretty excited for this. I really want to see how how good this thing really is. Yeah, I agree. I, I think still, for me, having not seen Fallout yet, that Ghost Protocol is the uh, apex of the series. But Rogue Nation is enjoyable. I watched it um, about three or four days ago. And it's still fun. It's, it's, yeah. it's a fun ride. But yeah, I'm really excited to see what uh, Christian McQuarrie is able to churn out here with this thing. He also did the first Jack Reacher film. Uh, and he did do uh, Rogue Nation as well, so I'm I'm really excited about this. And also, two folks, if you're going to see this, from what I have, everything I've read, see it on the largest screen possible. It's just supposed to be epic, so I'll be checking this out in IMAX. I hope it's not IMAX 3D though. I hate that. I hate 3D. What do you got? Okay, so can we go to move to the obligatory comic book news and speculation here? Go ahead. Which of the show? So, Joaquin Phoenix, this thing is actually confirmed. Like, he is going to make his own standalone Joker film. So, as as the distinguished competition of the two of us, uh, what how, what are your thoughts on this? Tell me, what do you think? Since it's Joaquin, I'm interested. I'm really interested. In, I'm starting to think that Joaquin Phoenix is the finest actor of his generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, to see him do tackle this role could be really, really interesting. And if mm-hmm. we're jettisoning Jared Leto, or if we're just this is going to be a multiverse alternate, you know, universe Joker. I don't know what the heck's going on with Warner Brothers right now. Yeah, uh, but I'm still excited because just Joaquin Phoenix is enough to sell me on that. Yeah, that's all I need to see. Yeah, um, I agree. I'm really, really curious to see how this goes. And I honestly, I've been screaming this since day one if you've been listening to this show for any length of time when the dceu comes up i'm not a huge fan of dc but i do respect their characters and i do like a lot of them um i just don't have the same emotional investment as chris does as i do in the marvel characters because that's what i grew up reading um but that being said one of the things that i always 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 loved about dc was they would do these elseworld stories they would take their Characters, completely remove them out of continuity and just kind of go crazy and just tell a really cool self-contained story like what would happen if superman had landed in russia instead of kansas you know those kinds of things um and they're just great and i would just love if they would just start if this thing is a success that maybe they keep floundering and you know 
maybe they'll eventually write the ship or just abandon it at, for the DCEU, but maybe this is kind of like the spark to see, okay, maybe we can have standalone films. Uh, we can still try and do our, our extended universe thing, but we can have standalone films too that are they're completely their own thing, which I would absolutely love. I mean, to see a Batman Gotham by Gaslight or a Holy Terror or um, what's the uh, Red Rain, the Vamp, the Dracula right. or, or Kingdom Come would be... Oh. Kingdom Come wouldn't be the ultimate to see that on the. They haven't even made an animated thing out of that yet, have they? No, they haven't. No. So they see, even though it's been ripped off so many times, I would see a proper Dark Knight Returns. I would actually, I would be in line to go see that. Mm. Yeah, that's another good one. Batman Year One, do it. Yeah. That way. Yeah. Oh, that would be fantastic. Even Year Two. I don't know about Year Three. <laughs> So, Matt, speaking of superhero movies, why did it take so long? We finally got a Black Widow movie announced. And, by the way, props to ScarJo to uh, pull out of that rub and tug film. Um, I think it was the right decision. And good for you. So, uh, but what's up? And I I think I I put the backlash on that, I think, on her PR people. I think they handled that really badly. If you're not familiar with rub and tug, ScarJo is going to play a trans man in that Mm -hmm. film. And even though there are trans actors. So, there was a lot of hubbub about that. And I think... Uh, rightfully so, and um, but her PR people, her manager, whoever it was, really did not handle that well. So right. um, I don't know. But anyway, Black Widow film. What took so damn long? Um, I don't know. I mean, it could be any nature of things. These things, as we've seen, um, are pretty set in stone. Like they've kind of plotted these things out. They all kind of intertwine. Um, they have their schedule planned out pretty far ahead. So I think it took so long just because they, you know, had to find it, had to make it fit. And I think now when they're starting over kind of this new phase, this is a time where they can make it fit. Um, and, it, and depending on how it turns out, I mean, if it's like a prequel kind of thing and it's kind of outside of it, I guess they could have done it earlier, but maybe they didn't have the resources or it was just hard to do, or she wasn't unavailable. So she's in these, basically all of these as it is in some form or capacity through line. Um, and before you nerds start coming at me um, saying, yeah, well, what about Spider-Man? But that's like their biggest character that they have that they never had access to. So of course they're going to reshuffle everything to fit Spider-Man into there. That's not the same thing. So yeah. Black Widow does not um, have the following. Yeah. Spider-Man. <laughs> so yeah, I think honestly it's disappointing that it took as long as it did, but I don't hold it against them. And I don't think it was any kind of vast conspiracy because Feige and I believe him has said he's always wanted to try, you know, at least in the past five years that he's been talking about it, that he wants to try and get her her own film it's just i think because they had planned this out so far and especially you know um fitting in spider-man into that that they kind of painted themselves in the corner and they just couldn't produce any other films um i think that's fair considering too that she's not an a-lister right so and you know what maybe she doesn't maybe she's fine maybe she's fine just showing up for you know, maybe she doesn't want to put the commitment in. She's seen what it's, she talks to RDJ and she talks to Chris Evans and she talks to Chris Hemsworth and they're like, you know, like, yeah, I am freaking exhausted. I'm really tired of doing this. And maybe she just likes showing up and getting paid a good amount of money to be a, a you know, a main player in a film, but not the tentpoles keeping the thing alive. 
Yeah, probably not. And she's not even like I don't even think Black Widow's B level. Like I think Doctor Strange is B level. And anybody yeah. too, same thing. If they come at me for the whole Ant, well, Ant- Man's not, he's right. like BC level. Yeah, except the different with Ant- difference with Ant Man is that that was something that um that uh, um wow, what's his name? Why am I blanking on Edgar Wright? Wanted yeah. to do that for the longest time. When you have a talent right. like Edgar Wright behind something, and he latches right. onto a character. You're gonna let him do it, and then things they didn't right. work out, but they ended up running with generally what his idea was anyway. Right, so and it's, you know what's different. And Ant Man is, to be fair, a founding member of the Avengers. He's he's one of the originals. So, but he wasn't in the films. So I don't. Well, know no, he wasn't in the films. You're right. You're not. You're right. He wasn't. Good point, Matt. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> Did you have anything else? Um, in general. Yeah. Anything else? Can we talk more? More? Uh, more? One more comic book thing. Go ahead. We alluded to it a little bit here, um, earlier. About okay, what is the next seismic shift? And I think we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but okay, how are we gonna get? Let's just assume this thing is gonna go through it. I'm I'm really feeling it is. Are we gonna get Fantastic Four and all of the stuff that comes with them, like Doom and Galactus and the Silver Surfer, and then we've got the X Men. Are we gonna get both of those in the MCU? And how do you think they're going to do it? Oh, I I would think so if the deal goes through. Uh, except now you're looking at five Marvel movies a year. I don't know if financially Disney wants to do something like that. So, I mean, you could basically do one every two months at yeah. that point once you get those properties. You'd almost be obligated to with the X-Men right. fan base. Yeah. Uh, I don't... I don't know. And uh, how are they going to introduce it all? That yeah, I don't basically. Got, that I'm not sure about because they've been pushing the inhumans thing for so long. Uh I just don't that they've just been in the shadows this whole time, I guess yeah. maybe. Well, so I read this this nerd theory on Reddit. I like this idea. Um it's extremely extremely comic booky, but it kind of goes back to Secret Wars and not the original Secret Wars with like the scrolls and all that stuff. But like the latest one where they had Battle World, where basically what happened was, they, you know, Marvel just like DC has this concept of of the multiverse. There are different Earths or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And there's different similar superheroes in a lot of them, um, but to what is we're used to on the main Earth. So the idea I think that they're going to talk about is that while there are no mutants here. There's going to be a secret war thing and they're going to have like a multiverse where you're going to have Miles Morales, Spider-Man, you're going to have um, Gwen Stacy, Spider-Man coming in. And then you could pull in the mutants. They could be from like another earth. And that's basically, that's where they came from. And then like some of them end up getting stranded in the main timeline or whatever, something like that. And that's how you introduce them. Or you just keep it kind of completely separate. And they're just kind of every now and again, crossover between the other two, two, realms yeah maybe, i don't know we'll see i have no idea i really don't know i had like three more but i gotta wrap i want to wrap this up i think people are tired of listening to us so i got one more for you okay it was announced this past week that billy d is coming back mm-hmm. as lando and yeah. that is a colossal mistake 
I do not understand, and I'm not going where you think I am with this. I do not understand the thought process behind this. Okay. Do you have any idea how awesome it would have been <laughs> to just have a scene where Lando just walks out and we had no idea he was coming? Right. Can you imagine that moment where we land on... I don't know. Pick a planet in Star Wars. I can't remember any of the damn things. I always say Alderaan, which I know is the absolute worst one to choose. They're on Tatooine. They're on Tatooine, and, and and they're they're they're. I don't know. Or the the Millennium Falcon gets captured again, or something like. I just I don't care what. But just imagine that scene. He walks out, or he turns around, and it's him. Could you right. imagine what that would feel like? Yeah. Without knowing he was in the movie. Why not keep that under wraps, Matt? Why reveal that? It's not like, what, you think no one's going to go if they don't announce <laughs> that, that Billy Dee's reprising his role as Lando? Yeah. What is the thought process behind that? Um, I think the only thought process is, is that it's going to get out anyway. I don't think how they can, if he's, especially depending on how big a role he has in the film, um, how, if they can keep it quiet. If somebody's going to find out, and if you, again, like the two of us, if you frequently frequent the more nerdy corners of the internet, fans of the Star Wars genre, um, there's a certain loud subsect of fans that really want Lando to show up. It's like, okay, you had Han, you had Luke, you had Leia, where's our boy Lando? Why aren't you bringing Lando up? So I think this is also part of kind of a preemptive, okay, guys, we heard you, here he comes, shut up about it now, and let's just make the freaking movie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Please don't chase Billy D. Williams off of social media while we're at it. <laughs> Which you know is coming. Yeah. Lando would never wear that type of cape. What is wrong with you, Abram? Yeah, that would. Can you imagine? That's what the new characterization is like. Ryan Johnson. That's the one stipulation. Ryan Johnson gets to write uh, Billy D. Williams' character. Sitting there, like sitting there saying, like he's like all sitting in a dark room. I had to get rid of all my capes. He's all wearing like burlap, act like he has no style at all. That's <laughs> he's right. not, He's, he's not a bon vivant at all. He's given up gambling and women. He's not into any of that stuff anymore. <laughs> he's an ascetic living in the... Burning all of his capes. <laughs> Never again. We could have a flashback scene of Donald Glover throwing the capes on a bonfire. <laughs> yeah, that's what's going to happen. I like that. <laughs> that is what's gonna happen. There, <laughs> plug it in. All right, so we're going to have a call it coming up soon, man. I want you to... I want you and the listeners to to ruminate on this. Okay. So uh, call it which franchise? Mission Impossible or Fast and Furious? As the greatest. I don't want, one goes and one stays. I don't want an answer. Okay. I want you to think about it. We'll do a, okay. maybe we'll pocket that for when we actually do the Mission Impossible review show. Okay. Mission Impossible or Fast and Furious? Which one stays? Which one goes? All right. Very good. That's going to be the big show. Let's wrap this puppy up. We are over this week. So this is some bonus content for everybody. Congratulations. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. We'd love to hear from you. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Do a search for The First Run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. You will find us. Go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Three and a half, four stars and up. No matter what the review, I will read it on the show. So get on that. You people aren't doing nothing. And that's going to be the big show for this week, Matt. Next week, though, are we going to try and do them both? Are we doing Skyscraper and don't – and uh, um, what, what's the other one again? I'm blanking on it. Uh, sorry for bothering you. Sorry, for, sorry. Thank you. Sorry to bother you. Are we going to try um, and do both? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, why the hell not? Uh, we'll 
Hey, tell me about this thing. Uh, how does this uh, this AMC A list work? Do you have to be like a Stubbs premiere already? So no. is no, nope. you just sign up. Twenty bucks a month. You go to three movies a week, anytime. Um, IMAX, Dolby doesn't matter. Three D doesn't matter. Three yeah. movies a week, twenty bucks a month. Well, since there's uh, a lot of uh, movies that we're seeing weeks, we're seeing two movies a week. That is uh, pretty pretty good. I went to see uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp and IMAX on a Friday because of this. It would have yeah. been, it was 17, 18 bucks for the ticket. And then I saw um, The Purge. And then boom, I've clearly cleared my $20 for the month. Now I'm free rolling. So right. I think it's worth it. I think it's great, yeah. especially for how often um, we go, especially at this point. And you can go any... And the big thing, too, is not having to go on cheapy night on Tuesdays. You can go whenever now, which right. really frees up my schedule. So that's it. All right. You should do it. I know you, I am surrounded by AMCs. You are not. So I know it's a little more difficult. Actually, no, they've actually started to buy up a lot of theaters around here. Okay. And Bloomfield, believe it or not, has been turned into an AMC. Oh, really? And that's like two minutes from work. Hmm. There you go. Perfect. You going to do it? Yeah, I'm going to do it. Attaboy. Thank you for derailing my closing. So that's going to be the big show for this week. I'm going to take an extended break. And we'll see y'all soon. He's in the system. I'm in the system. In the system. The system.